You're listening to Trek FM. Want to join in the conversation and share your thoughts on this episode? Join the Babel Conference, our listeners' discussion group on Facebook. Just type B-A-B-E-L into the Facebook search field, and we look forward to seeing you there. This is Steve Sansweet of Rancho Obi-Wan, and you're listening to the 602 Club. Hello and welcome to Trek FM's local watering hole coming at you live from the United States of Zombieland and it's time to nut up or shut up. And of course, with me as she is every week, unzombified Christy Morris, aka Tallahassee. <laughs> well, the, I was just thinking like you would be your uh, your name would be Atlanta. Um, right. Probably, right? And mine would be Vancouver. And everybody would be like, that Vancouver? No, no, not that Vancouver. The other one. So, yeah. <laughs> Get confusing. <laughs> exactly. No, everybody, every, every time I say I live on Vancouver, people think it's Vancouver, BC. So, <laughs> it's not. It's not. There's another Vancouver, and it's in Washington State. So, uh Anyway, excited to be here as we uh, start off on uh, a little duology. We're going to talk about some zombie land, and then next week we'll be back for a double tap because, well, that's rule number two. So um, before we get into that uh, and talking about the movie... Don't forget, you can find us wherever your podcasts, on Apple Podcasts, uh, everywhere else you can find podcasts pretty much. We're there. Um, you can even find us on Spotify. So... Hit us up, though, with a star rating review wherever you are, and especially if you're on Apple Podcasts. Honestly, I'd say it's been a long time since somebody's given us a review over on Apple Podcasts, so we'd really appreciate it. And we always share those reviews uh, out on the show. You can find us on Twitter at TrekFM or on Facebook at Facebook.com slash TrekFM. So please like us there, follow us there. Um, and we, that way you can converse with Christy and I on the different subjects uh, that come up on the 602 Club, hashtag 602 Club. We've got the Listeners Only Discussion Group. That's on Facebook, too. And to get there, uh, type Babel into the search field because it's called the Babel Conference. And if you're on our website at uh, track.fm, any of the show pages that you look up, they'll have a button there that says Discussion, and that can let you in as well. Um, And last but not least, please, if you would like to send us an email, go to track.fm slash contact. Choose a show choose the 602 club and then christy and i can talk to you that way and we want to say a quick thank you to all of our associate producers honestly we have so many podcasts coming to you from the track fm network there's absolutely no way we can do this um alone so we have some great associate producers here through patreon ken trip davis grayson wyatt millette and daniel noah They've been supporting the show for a long time. We really appreciate that. And part of that is because every single month they support the network to make sure that this show, as well as every other show on the network, keeps coming to you. So you can do that too at patreon.com slash trekfm. You can become a part of our team. We've got some great contribution levels that have some even extra perks. But honestly, in the end, every little bit helps. And if everybody who listened to Trek FM just gave us $1 a month, it would be huge. So please go over to patreon.com slash trek of and support us um, so we can keep doing this uh, as long as possible. So 
Chrissy, um, this was not on the outline, but I thought I'd ask you this before we even get started. Like, what, where are you, where do you land when it comes to zombie movies? So, like, are they a thing that you really like in general, or has it not generally been your thing? I'm just kind of wondering where you land on this really important topic. Um, almost as important as do you like pineapple and pizza? <laughs> well, uh, I'm going to shock the world, or maybe not, uh, and say zombies are actually my least favorite monster, uh, particularly in movies like this, when I feel like they're done really well, really realistic looking. Uh, it's sometimes hard for me to watch. <laughs> but I think that the comedy uh, through this movie and like Shaun of the Dead helped me get through it better. Um, but like, that's why I don't watch Walking Dead, for example. It was too gross. I tried episode one, and there was half of a woman crawling on the ground without her other half. And I was like, nope, nope, nope. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's funny because I didn't know where you landed because we hadn't ever talked about it before, but I'm mm-hmm. kind of right there with you. I, one, I don't really like horror movies in the first place. Yeah, I don't same. like lots of gore. That's not my thing. And so I generally and generally try to stay away from movies of the gore variety. And a lot of times, you know, zombie movies tend to be very, very gory and... So I, you know, like you, The Walking Dead, I have no desire to watch that show. I've heard it's good, but okay, that's great, but it's just not my thing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was interesting because th- this is what I think is fascinating to me. You know, a, a different type of zombie movie, you mentioned Shaun of the Dead came around, right? Um yeah. And kind of created something different in the genre where they added comedy to the zombies and I loved Shaun of the Dead and so when I saw this coming out this is something where I immediately kind of like oh I'll bet I'll like that too and I don't know what it is like what do you think it is about adding comedy to zombies that makes it palatable I guess because it's that um sort of making you more at ease with it seeming Mm. like it's not real I think with having realistic looking zombies can really freak out, especially those of us that like subconsciously are afraid of them. Um, but then having that extra comedy element makes you realize, okay, it actually isn't real. Everything's fine. We're all laughing here. I think that's a good way to put it. Um, cause I was trying to think of, you know, what is it that differentiates this between say like the walking dead for me, which, you know, is obviously mm-hmm. a drama. It's all about the, the people drama, you know, the zombies actually I've heard tend to be kind of just, ancillary in the in a sense to what's happening with these people right. the characters that you're following and yeah i think there is something that the comedy does where it lowers the intensity level like mm-hmm. there's something obviously funny about somebody being able to smack somebody upside the head with a baseball bat and it be a zombie and it not really matter you know like you don't you don't feel anything for that happening you know um, other than like, oh, that's funny. So, you know, the piano dropping on somebody's head, you know, to kill a zombie is hysterical, right. you know? So, yeah, I think there's something about the way that the comedy changes the perception of the zombies themselves and even the gore of it to where, I, I don't know, it's that it's that weird metaphysical realm between comedy and horror. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it's even necessarily 
if there is a way to describe it in words exactly what it is that makes it work but you know i'd i'd say this definitely is you know Shaun of the dead and this there's just something about it they they found a niche and it's funny Mm -hmm. Well, and it's like uh, another similar movie, Tucker and Dale versus Evil. Michael, my husband, got me to watch that. And it's the similar kind of thing where it's a, I guess I would describe them as a horror comedy um, is the best way I could put it. But it, I, I was thinking also, it's not only the tone, but also how they dehumanize the zombies in these mm, movies. Yeah, Whereas yeah. like in Walking Dead, I vividly remember somebody's wife had become a zombie and he was having to face her every night trying to come home and decide whether or not to put her out of her misery. And it's like, that's a really somber thing to deal with. Whereas this is like, oh, no, they're just a bunch of sick people. We don't know them. They're different now. There's no saving them. It completely dehumanizes them. And so it's like you don't really care whether or not they get knocked upside the head. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. In fact, the comedy helps with that, I -hmm. think, you know, um, which is is funny that that would happen. And so, yeah, I think that's a that's a really good point, actually. So um, and, and, you know, the other thing I was thinking when I was watching this, that the most one of the most interesting things is that this movie has a very similar storyline to Vacation, National Lampoon's Vacation. Which I've actually never seen. Don't kill me. No, no, it's fine. Uh, it's so, I mean, that movie is all about them going to Wally World and all of the shenanigans that happen on the way to getting to Wally World. Okay. Um, and so, you know, this whole movie about them going to Pacific Funland, you know, going cross country for that is is kind of similar in many ways. And there's all of these different little side stories that happen on the way there, which I just thought that was kind of funny um, to basically take, you know, very classic comedy movie and basically add zombies, you know, vacations yeah. with zombies. <laughs> that's interesting that, I mean, maybe even that's where they were inspired was, hey, let's just throw that in. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely think. That's the case. I, one of the things, too, that makes, I think, the comedy work here is that, you know, they do this whole thing with these rules. Yes. Which I think is probably one of the most successful parts of this movie is the fact that they added these rules for because it almost it also seemed to take the idea of like the worst case scenario type books, you know, and mesh mm-hmm. that together with, um, you know, a zombie movie. And possibly even like video gaming and you put all that together and it felt like it just it just really works. Yeah. And I think too having that visual cue reminding you in text on the screen of the rules when the situation arises is better than just the audio confirming it again, because it just kind of further cements the joke. Uh, You know, like he said, you know, uh, don't forget. Always check the bathrooms, you know, or like always check the back seat or rule number two, the double tap. You know, I I love that they put them in the way that they did, not just that they had them at all. But yeah, I think it adds this whole nother element to the movie that makes the comedy even better. Yeah, I think I think so, too. And I think, you know, by creating the characters that they do obviously you know you've got um columbus and tallahassee as our two main characters for a while there 
like having that the the one who just lives life just completely with no rules you know he's kind of like mm-hmm. outback steak house no rules just right yeah yeah uh and and then the other one is neurotic and full of rules and i, I think that really helps kind of create that almost like buddy cop feeling to the movie and yeah i think you're the thing about the rules with them popping up on screen you know they do it with such comedic timing like that's the thing that i think is really smart it's like it's not just the comedic timing between the actors but they have uh, you know a real comedic timing as to when to add the rule to really accentuate that joke which is you know that that takes work and so i think um that's one of the things that really makes this work yeah it seems like every time it applies for example it's right during the initial jump scare i guess i would call it yeah yeah Uh, i thought it was really interesting too because i was looking this up and they they went um they did a bunch of uh videos promoting the movie with woody harrelson and and jesse eisenberg where they expanded on the list that got presented in the film. And like, there's a bunch of other ones. Like I would have loved to know, and I need to try and see if I can find these, but like, um, fifth, number 15 is bowling ball. Um, which like, right. What no explanation. Mean? Yeah. Uh, yeah. There's actually 49 rules. Yeah. It's great. Number 21, avoid strip clubs. Like what in the <laughs> world? <laughs> Oh, I mean, I don't. Yeah, I don't know what that oh, means. No, um, uh, Ziploc bag caught my eye. Number nineteen. That's funny. That's really funny. Um, I wonder if that has to do with like a smell thing. Like if you have snacks, put them in a Ziploc bag so the zombies can't smell them or something. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. But yeah, all in all, I think that one. It's it's something that they do that helps lighten the mood because you know thinking about just the zombies themselves in the movie like the zombies here like you mentioned they look good like they look i mean and it's disgustingly gross and so the zombies themselves here in this movie like if that if they didn't have the comedy they've really created zombies in this film that like yeah it kind of would terrify your dreams yeah like you don't want to mess with that you don't want to get anywhere near it it's sort of like me with cockroaches i want to kill it from as far away as humanly possible so i don't have to touch it uh yeah that's how i felt about the zombies in this movie i think that especially um giving them that realistic look makes them more scary for sure even though there's the comedy in the movie i i like that it was actually different than like i feel like zombies i've seen before were kind of more dried up i guess is the term i would use like they didn't have this like blood pouring out of their mouth constantly or sometimes it even looks like vomit i mean i don't know what's going on inside a dead body but it seemed pretty gross yeah you know i just i just don't like brains that much so um (laughs) it is i mean it and it is interesting too because like you said there's there's a look and a feel to these zombies that i found ridiculously creepy um but also i just i mean it's graphic like again if there's no humor to this movie like some of the scenes if they're if they had gone a different direction would have been super scary like when uh they're driving down the road uh just tallahassee and columbus and they see the woman eating the guy yes yes that would be really horribly disturbing in a more somber tone movie 
Yes, absolutely. Um, and and you know, I mean, even any time that they're fighting the zombies too. Again, if you're if you're taking out the comedy element and adding in the horror element, which is all about you know like the music and like the the tone and the seriousness of the actors. But since none of them are taking this seriously, it's amazing just how much that changes our thought process around the zombies themselves but i mean i have to give them credit because this is a you know this isn't a big budget movie but they really did a great job with the makeup work and effects work for the zombies to make them feel and and look just uber creepy absolutely and i mean i think that it um it just also helps with further cementing why they're going through all of the stuff that they're going through. I mean, it, I think the creepiest part of the entire movie is when toward the end, the girls are trapped on the um, ride and all of the zombies are trying to crawl up it and get them. Uh, you know, that's when it's supposed to feel more serious. And then it especially does because of the way that they made them look. Um, and I meant to say they're really fast for zombies. Yeah, it did. Um, you know, I don't know if you've ever seen World War Z. With no. uh, okay, so the zombies there are super fast too, um, okay, and faster than this. But yeah, you're absolutely right. Like these aren't your like lumbering uh, zombies moving at a very leisurely pace. You know, uh, for out for their zombie mosey, <laughs> their right. zombie constitutional. <laughs> no, they will fight you. Yeah. So no, I actually agree. You know, and I I do think that. That's one of the things that they do well with the zombies here is that, you know, they, with all of the humor, there is a sense of danger for the characters, you know, right. like, I think that that's one of the things that the movie does well is like, when you put the girls up there and they're out of ammunition and there doesn't seem to be any answers left, like, you know, they could be gone at any, any moment then. And I mean, you know, the guys are going to come, but it still puts them in danger because of what we've seen. These zombies are capable of doing. Mm -hmm. So they, they, they balance, I think that out really well, which is, I mean, it, it's just a, like, it's just a good balancing act for the film. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I think that too, it really helped having, as we were talking about with some other movies, having a small cast, because I think if you had had too many people to follow, that it doesn't make it feel as much like a post-apocalyptic kind of film. And I think it was meant just like the Cloverfield movies to be more of like a character study kind of movie. Yeah, no, I think you're absolutely right. Perfect time um, to be able to talk about the cast. And I, I can't imagine better casting than Jesse Eisenberg as... You know, the reclusive shut in classic millennial, you know, he's obsessed with his video games. He's like the uber geek. Full you know, of phobias. Can't, yeah. Can't talk to a girl, you know, like it's just it's it's riddled with the cliches, but he he's so good at that type of role. And like he just sells it. But he also. There is something about him that I think he's able to do and he he did this in the social network too it's like he can take that kind of character and he makes you kind of be able to feel a little bit sorry for him and like 
he he doesn't alienate you by playing that character, which I think is impressive. I mean, that's exactly what you need in this role. You 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 need him to be able to do both. Yeah, I'm glad that you said that because that's something that I've thought since I saw him in the social network and then later learned he was going to play Lex Luthor. He just really has that capability of um in particular playing the nerd kind of character but also making it feel relatable to everyone like we've all got fears and maybe we all sometimes have moments when we've gotten into our own little bubble and pushed people away and then now he's realizing in zombie land that he pushed people away and pushed them away until he had nobody left Mm. And then literally the world kind of ended and then yeah. he did have no one left. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, there's nothing worse than you were your hot neighbor coming over for the first time only to have her, you know, turn into a zombie on you. Um, right. So before you even get to first base, I mean, gosh. <laughs> um, so, yeah, no, I think you're absolutely right. Um, there's... There's something about him, and, you know, I've liked him pretty much any role I've seen him in. I thought he was actually a great, you know, Lex Luthor. I really enjoyed him in that role. Again, it's it's partially because he can do, like, creepy in, mm-hmm. and, like, seem super smart. But at the same time, there's something about him. Like just, again, he just, and he, again, it's the social network, too, where it's like, there's some sort of sympathy that you find for the character. And, and, and so here, you know, he's much more comedic in the role. Um, but I still think he finds a way to kind of make you feel for this character, like you said, whose journey is one from like having shut everybody out of his life uh, when the world is good, quote unquote. And, you know, once the world has turned into zombie land, um, having to find a way to connect with people because mm-hmm. there's, you know, there's nothing else left and there's no room for survival without other people in the end, really. Um, so... And it's interesting to watch him go from somebody who, you know, is dedicated to being a loner to being somebody who's dedicated to being part of this weird family. Yeah. Yeah. I I love, too, when he actually says, I realized once there were no more people that I kind of missed people. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, it it's something about humanity in general is just that we crave companionship, whether that be, you know, friendship or romantic or whatever. Um, People don't like to spend all of their time alone without speaking or interacting with another human being. And so he's finally realizing that we do need each other. And like you were saying, just pure numbers of trying to protect yourself against zombies or the end of the world, it's really difficult to do alone. So I love that they explore that kind of back and forth of he was alone before, but now he's really alone now. Mm-hmm. And then by contrast with Tallahassee, that we see that he um, we thought had a dog before and we don't really get a lot of a backstory for him and then find out later that it wasn't a dog that he lost his son yeah i mean i don't know if there's a better actor to do this type of role because woody harrelson is so good at being the 
free-spirited, you know, doesn't give a flying frack about anything kind of mm-hmm. person. Uh, and and yet, yes, I mean, the moment where he breaks down and you realize that, like you said, that you're talking about a son, not a dog, and then he shares the pictures with all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a really moving moment. You know, and, and you you see that there's more to these people. And, and I think that's one of the things that the movie does very well, especially through a character like him, where it's like you need there to be there needed to be more than just comedy. And they found, right. I thought, the right ways to tell a slightly more poignant story with these characters and just the movie in general. Mm-hmm. And they 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 you know couch it all in a in a really funny and and fun and vibrant way but you know there's some gems of of really good thematic material that come through a a character that you don't expect that to come through you know like yeah so i think that's great and also in doing that showing that maybe sometimes we laugh because it helps us cope with all of the bad stuff so maybe the reason that Tallahassee's gotten to this point where he just does not care about how he treats zombies and actually probably enjoys the way he treats zombies is because he has some serious trauma in his past. And so he's like, you know what? Enjoy the little things. Find something that you still like about what's going on, because otherwise, why is life worth it? I mean, in a lot of ways, it seems like anger management, you know, like, right him taking out all of his anger and frustration um, on zombies or, you know, uh, a random car, you know, it, it all stems from this fact that he is a man who is actually deeply wounded mm-hmm. um, and he's deeply hurt. And I think it's interesting, you know, again, kind of watching the movie kind of deal with those kind of things in this, you know, very funny context, but that they, I that, that there's still more to these characters than just funny one-liners the whole time, which, again, I think makes for a more enjoyable experience, and it makes a more rewarding experience even just we're watching the movie because Mm -hmm. it's not just about the laughs. You begin to kind of have um, a feeling for these characters. You can empathize with them, and, you know, there are some nice little nuggets of, of thematic material throughout the whole thing, which is great. Um... I mean, I don't know what we can say about Emma Stone, but she's good in everything that she's in. And Amen. she's so perfect here to play that kind of like smart assy, stuck up, you know, like she does that really well. I mean, she's mm-hmm. kind of playing a similar character to what she does in Easy A here. Yeah. You know? Um, but she's so good at it and and then the moments where they have a, a real emotional connection, you know, between her and Columbus and, you know, her and her sister. And this whole idea of like, you know, her trying to give her sister some semblance of normalcy in a world that's gone absolutely crazy is I just it, it's a again, there's there's like you don't expect that. But she again, she pulls it off perfectly like all of these actors are able to do that, I think they can flip, you know, between being really funny and sarcastic to being mm-hmm. somebody who's having a real moment. And that's really important. 
Yeah, I, I wonder if, uh, and maybe I'll go back and check and let you guys know in the Babel Conference, but I, I wonder if the reason that these people in particular were cast was that they went and looked at who are really good dramatic actors that can play multiple kinds of roles and give them all the weight that they need so they can be funny when they need to be funny and then they can be dramatic when they need to be dramatic. Because I think that all four of these people are known for that. Because, I mean, Jesse Eisenberg, aside from being incredibly hot, is really good at those things. Um, it, Woody Harrelson as well. I mean, we've seen him in, you know, stuff like After the Sunset. And then, uh, you know, which was a comedy with him and Salma Hayek and Pierce Brosnan. And then we see him in something like this, where it, it is a comedy, but there's that real moment, like we said, of him losing his son that makes it into more of a serious tone. Um, and then, of course, um, Abigail Breslin, who's Little Rock from Little Miss Sunshine. Uh, I think that she's really good at playing those kinds of roles um, as well. So I, I think that maybe that's why they were all cast for this movie in particular. Yeah, no, I agree. I was I was just thinking of how, you know, Abigail Breslin, everybody knew her from A Little Miss Sunshine, and, and that was really her coming out party to the world and, and film in that way. And, and then to do something like this, where it's like, you know, Little Miss Sunshine has its comedy moments, but this is comedy straight up. And then, you know, I, I know I've heard a lot of people say that actually comedy's harder than drama. So mm -hmm. the fact that they can do both back and forth, I think, here is is really good. Um, and, yeah, I really enjoyed her as a, uh, in the film. You know, I think she immediately kind of brings gravitas. She has a slightly smaller role than everybody else in the movie. But, mm -hmm. you know, when Jesse Eisenberg is like, you haven't seen Ghostbusters? You don't know who Bill Murray is? You know, and they sit down and they're watching that together. That's that's just a really fun, like, this kind of, like, brother-sister thing. Like, what? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, she's she's really, again, she's just like the other three in the sense that she's great. And she completes the ensemble here really well. And I think you're absolutely right in pointing out this movie doesn't have a lot of characters in it. And that's really important because... It, it helps them tell the story they need to tell for every single one of them without ever feeling like you didn't get enough. Yeah, I mean, I, I think maybe they could have given a little bit more of where um, Wichita and Little Rock came from as far as their parents or why they started becoming con artists or something. Um, but I think in general, you get the gist of that somehow, some way they ended up having to do that and then became really good at it. Like, I love the whole engagement ring bit at the gas station. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And then now, you know, it's like the main joke of the movie is that the two of them keep duping Columbus and Tallahassee. And and even at the end, he's going again. <laughs> like They keep falling for the same thing. I, yeah. I love that. Yeah, no, it's really good. Um, so what I thought was most interesting is, you know, we get Bill Murray in the movie for about maybe five minutes, um, mm -hmm. which is really funny, but that he wasn't their original choice. Like, they really wanted Patrick Swayze. Um, and at that point, he was battling cancer and was able to, unable to do it. Um, but they also considered, like, Sylvester Stallone, you know, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, Matthew McConaughey, Jean-Claude Van Damme, Joe Pesci, 
uh, Mark Hamill, Kevin Bacon, and Dustin Hoffman. Like, I do. Do any of those feel like ones that would have been like as been pa- as you know impactful as Bill Murray? No, honestly, because I think Bill Murray is so great at doing uh, even better than all of them do the back and forth of humor and serious. And it shows for sure in the scene where he's like, oh, yeah, we're going to go mess with Columbus. And he runs in there like he's a zombie. And I I immediately said out loud, he's going to shoot him. And sure enough, Columbus shoots him and actually kills Bill Murray in the movie. And and it's like, oh, you saw it coming, but you were hoping it wasn't going to happen. But it's like it snaps you out of humor and now to, oh, he actually killed him. And then now you're kind of sad. <laughs> yeah, it, it is. I think it's one of the big shockers of the movie that they would just kill Bill Murray like that. Yeah. But, you know, you, when you think about it, like it makes complete sense. You live in a world where you don't question killing a zombie. Right. So why would you come in, try to scare somebody dressed as a zombie and think they're not going to kill you? I have no idea. <laughs> like, but like, yeah. I don't know. Like especially, you said, Col- though. I mean, come on. Columbus is, he's, he's way too wound tight for, for that kind of joke. Oh, yeah. He's not taking any chances. No, no. Um, but I don't think so. it would have worked with any of the other actors as well as it works with Bill Murray. Like, Kevin Bacon? Yeah. The only one that I feel like could possibly work would be somebody like Sylvester Stallone or maybe Mark Hamill. But I don't know if, like, at that point, so, uh, Mark Hamill was, like, enough in the cultural zeitgeist at that point to truly you know because the force awakens hasn't come out again and people just right you know there's something about bill murray you know he he's done lots of things and that point he had done things like lost in translation and all that kind of stuff so he'd found Mm -hmm. a whole new audience that knew who he was um and so i think he really is kind of the perfect person to kind of do that with and man his house is awesome Oh yeah, I the theater. I want that in my house. Yeah, but I it's think pretty awesome. I think though that uh, it definitely was a good thing that they didn't go the Patrick Swayze route. Even if he had been feeling well at that point, it, the fact that they were like, "Oh, we were thinking, you know, he could come in as a zombie," but he's like dancing, like from Dirty Dancing, and I was going, "Oh no, 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 no! Don't do that." Yeah, I do. I think, you know, um, it ended up working out the way it needed to. Um, I also love that randomly Amber Heard is 406, the neighbor who becomes the zombie and tries to kill him. Like, that's funny. (laughs) Right? Because you're looking at her going, she looks familiar. Wait a minute. And then you realize who it is. But yeah, I mean, I think she's really great at playing that sort of stereotypical girl down the hall at your dorm kind of thing. Um, and it's so funny that you know, she she really plays up her character's um, need to be comforted and he's just eating it up. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it. it's, it's really great. Um, so I just love the fact that, um, you know, this is a movie, like, they just get all these people to be in it 
Uh, and it's like one of those movies where you kind of look back and like, how is everybody in that movie? Uh, and it's just, it it's one of those films that's also kind of turned into um, this, you know, cult classic to where, you know, they were like, let's do another one, you know? So I think that's really, um, that's always the hallmark of, of, of a good movie like this. Like you just don't expect, I don't necessarily think for people to really respond to a movie called Zombieland, you know, and you got all these people in it and they turn it into something where everybody wants to, you know, be a one, be a part of it. Uh, but two, uh, it just becomes a hit. So, um, I, I think, you know, for me, I know that it is cheesy, but I do really love how this movie has this heart. And, you know, we talked a lot about how it has this emotional depth with the characters. And part of that is, you know, these people are forced to live together and become this family. And I, even more now, like I loved them being like forced to drive in the car and you see them like there's this whole montage of them having arguments throughout the whole day about different right. topics because like they're forced to talk to each other because there's no cell phones distracting them. You know, there's, there could be music, right? You could have like an iPod or whatever, but other than that, oh, iPods, by the way, are the things that you would have before phones, kids, <laughs> that you would put music on because music didn't fit on your phone. So uh, anyway, uh, I I just really appreciate this. This movie is really about family and the importance of like finding the time to connect together. And I've just, you know, I was thinking about that, this idea, like in this world of like constant distraction these people find each other and they only have each other for entertainment right like mm -hmm. and they have a lot of the classic entertainments that help people bond like board games and music and a movie and having a drink together you know like all the food you know like looking for twinkies like all right. these things that bind people together um the common pursuit, you know, the the common journey, all of that I thought was really, really great. And it's it's just, um, yeah, it struck me as like this movie seems to be even more poignant in that theme now in a world of complete distraction than when this movie even came out when it wasn't quite as bad just yet then. Yeah, I think you've really hit on something with this because I feel like now thinking about that, that this whole movie is really centered around this part of it and that the zombies are kind of more fluff that they have to deal with. Um, but like the heart of it is about how we need each other. And I like to sort of that aspect, I guess I take is family is you know, not necessarily people that are related to you. It can be found family um, because, you know, he's found out Columbus basically found out that his parents are probably dead. And I guess he didn't have any siblings. So that was it for his biological family. Um, and, you know, then you get to go through this whole thing with him. You kind of feel bad for him because he had still never been in a relationship. And he's like, and she's the last person on earth, probably. <laughs> and he's like, I mean, I do think she's attractive, but what other options do I have? Um, and then you just see, uh, you know, 
getting to know each of them and how they work with each other. I think it's really sweet seeing the kind of things you were mentioning about that, uh, the way that they're bonding is not through technology. It's everything that forces people to have to have conversation and to look each other face to face. So I really like that. Like they're playing Monopoly in front of the fireplace. Um, and I like that in a movie that is a horror comedy, you get a moment of romance that you're kind of shocked is in there. Um, which Tallahassee got a little something more, but I guess sort of he gets uh, a new child, I guess, with now sort of being like the father for uh, Little Rock. Yeah, you know, I love at the beginning, you know, we've got Columbus, who is the shut-in, whose only life is viewed through a computer screen, and it's all about this fake world, basically. And then he's forced into the real world, which is turned into an absolute nightmare. And that the only salvation comes through um, this this group of people, right? And and that and it comes through connection. Like the 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 only way they're going to survive is to to rely on each other. I um, mean, mm-hmm. the only way the human race would survive is is for those that are not affected to rely on each other, right? So, I think there there's just a real beauty to being reminded that we are in a world where we need to stop being so focused on the things that drive us apart and drive wedges between us and um, so stuck in our devices that we miss life, you know? Um, And, you know, I, I just don't, I don't remember where it comes from, but it's like, you know, it's life, you know, unless if, if you don't look up every once in a while, you're going to miss it. And yep. uh, that's what happened almost to Columbus. Like all of life almost passed him by and he almost missed it because he was afraid of getting out there and doing something. And like, you can't allow your fears and you can't allow um, your worries to keep you from experiencing what life has to offer. And yeah, it is scary and you're going to have to take risk and things aren't going to work out, but mm-hmm. it's much better to have lived than to, you know, not lived and only have, you know, a, 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 an account on World of Warcraft to show for it. Yeah. Well, and it's like when he brings up the rule, don't be a hero. And then later he says, you know what? Screw that. Be a hero. So he just decides to take the risk and try to save them, even though he might lose. And he decides to kiss Wichita, even though she might be like, ew, gross, why? <laughs> I I think that it that sums it up perfectly that, you know, it's about life is short and that sometimes you have to take risks and put yourself out there. Um, because otherwise, why are you here? You know, I mean, don't yeah. isolate yourself. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's hundred percent it, you know, I mean, the, and I love like you were talking about the fact that like, the, the changing of the rule to be a hero because mm-hmm. that is the transition from being somebody who's self-focused to being somebody who's other-focused. And life is so much more rewarding when we're not just focused solely on ourselves. Like that we yep. are being self-sacrificial and loving and caring. And that's what we see all of these characters kind of finding their way back to is a world where they come from where everything made them self-focused, especially Zombieland. 
but they 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 realize that it's the connection to each other that are going to make this worthwhile in the end. So um, I I just love that, and I think you know on top of that, there's that whole idea of and, and of course it's very blatant of it's the little things, but it goes right along with this, and I think it's one of the best movie uh, messages in the movie because they kind of live in the zombie race, right? And we live in the rat race and they're very similar. They just, they, they, we lose sight of the little things in life. We miss it because of the busyness and the distractions and that it is important to remember that it's usually those little things in life that make life worth living, you know? Um, Yeah. So I just appreciate that both of these themes really go together really well. Yeah, I think that, um, you know, it, maybe this is just us agreeing with each other over and over. I don't know. But it it really does show you that um, also in a world where you can feel like everything is so negative, that there's still something good left. And um, definitely, you know, if you picture yourself in this kind of world where you feel like there's only a few people even left that aren't zombies, it could get really terribly depressing. And, you know, I'm sure there were plenty of people there that felt like, why is it worth living anymore? So I like that they show that it's like there's always something worth it. Um, if for Tallahassee, that's Twinkies, then that's what it is. Uh, and it's, I love how that even starts as a joke and then it becomes like, you get it. I mean, if Twinkies or Oreos, let's go Oreos are your favorite thing in the entire world. And that's like the one thing you think is still going to make your day. Like, yeah, you would want a Twinkie everywhere you went. Yeah. And I mean, like taking those little joys in life like it's so easy for us to get focused on all the things that don't go right in life Mm -hmm. that we do actually miss all the things that are going wrong like right in life right and and a lot of times that comes from like us taking um you know we we just take for granted the things that we have you know maybe you've got a great spouse or a great girlfriend boyfriend whatever maybe you've got a steady job. Maybe you've got a working car. Maybe you've got great dog. food on the table or a dog or like any of like we just start to take things for granted because we 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 get so used to them being there. And, you know, that's something that, you know, I've just been really thinking about right lately in my own life. Like you don't it's so true. You don't really kind of realize what you have until things are gone. Or you're just like kind of slapped in upside the head with like, oh, you still have, you know. So I think that this movie just kind of helps us see that. And for them, they've had everything stripped away from them um, that they could possibly, you know, desire really. And so you begin to, to see any good. You do have to start with those little things, you know. And so and I think that's just a, a really key lesson in, in all of life, honestly. And so, yeah, you know, both of those things are really cheesy and kind of cliche. But to me, I think having a movie like this, it's good. It's good to be reminded of good things. Like, and they couch it in this goofy, horror, comedy filled film. And yet, 
I just, I like being able to watch a movie and yeah, there were disgusting zombies, but by the end of this movie, I actually feel good about myself for having watched it because it reminds me to be, it reminds me of the most important things in life, honestly. Yeah. So you would say then that this is a wholesome family film. (laughs) No, Uh, this is an R-rated movie with lots of uh, gross violence and tons of language. So no, this is not a family (laughs) film, but it is one that adult can watch and be actually, I think, strangely uplifted by. Yes. By the end of it, which that's really fun. That's really cool. Kind of reminds me of, uh, you know, movies like, uh, super bad or 40 year old virgin right or those type of films where it's like mm-hmm. it's got lots of crudity right but there is a message that underlies those movies that is really powerful and that's really what the films are about it's just kind of covered in a lot of like adult material yeah adult material yeah so <laughs> um where where do you fall with a rating then for zombie land uh Let's see. Are we rating out of five or out of ten? Uh, you can do what you want. Okay. Uh, well, for me, I think that um, it it would naturally have a couple points taken off just because I am not into zombies. And these were particularly gross. Um, but aside from that, I think really the, the only things I would change is maybe giving a little bit more info on the backstory of the characters um but i think as far as introducing how the world became this way um and giving you good emotional reasons to care about the characters it's amazing uh so for me after all of it i would probably give it an uh eight out of ten um giant pairs of scissors Uh, I I actually have the exact same rating. I'm right there with you. I think mm-hmm. this is a really fun movie. This is uh, a really enjoyable movie. Um, it 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 like we said, it it's got more to it than just being funny or you know a gross out horror movie. Um, it, it has everything that you could kind of want, and and it's kind of the perfect Halloween ish type movie too. You know, it's, hey, yeah. If especially if you're not a big horror person, this is the perfect type of movie to watch, you know, in the Halloween season. So as we're here in October, as we're recording, it's perfect. Um, so yeah, eight, eight out of 10 for me as well. Right there with you. Um, I think this is great stuff. Um, and, uh, I'm really interested this week to see what your recommendations will be. So my recommendation this week actually is a new show my husband and I started watching, and it's on Hulu. I don't know if you've heard of Blackish, but it is insanely funny. Uh, I actually found out about it first because I saw the cast on an episode of Family Feud recently. Oh, nice. (laughs) Facing the cast from the Goldbergs. So that was pretty funny. Um, But yeah, uh, this show really... Um, talks about, you know, what it must be like for people growing up in like Los Angeles and then also trying to identify with not only that sort of class system of society, but also with how they feel they're supposed to act because like, oh, like we're a black family, like there's different things that are expected of us or whatever. And um, it's funny just to see that, that they're trying to show you we all have the same 
fears, hopes, concerns, and, you know, that everybody goes through this relationship with their parents of growing up and it's um, a comedy above everything else. Like I think the one we were just watching was about uh, a kid hiding in the department store clothing racks and then getting his first spanking at home. And I did that (laughs) when I was a kid. (laughs) That's great. Um, So my recommendation is I've just uh, started the fifth book in the Expanse series, which uh, is called Nemesis Games. The first book in the series is called Leviathan Wake. And it's a great series. If you like sci-fi, it's one of the better sci-fi series I've ever read. Um, It's also been turned into a show on Amazon, and the fourth season is coming out soon, I think even in November, if I remember correctly. Uh, Both are fantastic. Um, The books in the the show follow each other relatively closely. The books came first, um, but there are some differences. So it's, it's not as though if you read the books, you're just going to feel like, Oh, the show's not worth it. Like they do things differently enough so that you enjoy both. So um, I would highly recommend that series. If you're looking for a new series to read, it's fantastic. And if you're looking for a new series to watch, it's fantastic. So both are excellent choices. So yes, I'm recommending the Expanse series both ways. So um, Christy, if uh, people would like to you know, possibly catch up with you, see what's going on, because I know you've got other podcasts and stuff going on, where can people find you? You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Bespin Bell. And then, of course, on Facebook, I hang out in the Babel Conference sometimes. Uh, I also am on a couple of different podcasts. I do a show once a month with uh, some ladies on the Fanthatrax network called Planet Leia, where once a month, it's a group of six women from around the world talking about Star Wars. Then I also do a show uh, with my friend Teresa Delgado called Sabers and Spells, where we talk about geeky stuff um, from Harry Potter, Star Wars, Stranger Things, uh, and I think next we'll do more Umbrella Academy. So I hope you'll join us for that. And then uh, last but not least, I do a five-minute segment on the Star Wars Report once a month called Fashion in Five about men's and women's Star Wars fashion. And you can find me on Instagram, Letterboxd, Twitter, and Vero under the name MattRushing02. Um, I am here on the network. I do... Um, another show it's called the orb chris jones we when we get a chance we record an episode uh, about star trek deep space nine uh, you can also find me over on the nerd party network i do two shows one is called owl post i do that with drea kaufman and we are talking through one chapter of harry potter at a time we are in the half blood prince which it's really been fun as we're kind of getting down to the wire with the series although we have about a year left with the podcast because of all of the chapters involved with those last two books. I do aggressive negotiations with John Mills. Uh, every week we're talking about a new Star Wars topic. It's so much fun. And I mean, you know, with the plethora of Star Wars content that we have coming out soon, like The Mandalorian, The Clone Wars coming back, The Rise of Skywalker, there's so much being added to Star Wars. So we enjoy talking about all of it. And then last but not least, you can find me doing cinema stories with my good friend Courtney, and that's where we talk about films through the lens of faith. But thank you so much for joining us. And nut up or shut up, you hear?